Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we prepare our hearts for the Word this morning. God, we are so very rich in Your Word. God, we are so very rich in this place with Your Spirit. God, that You have blessed us immensely. God, and I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't develop into a prideful state. God, I pray that, Lord, we have heard the gospel, some of us, since we were very, very young. Thousands and thousands of sermons we have heard. But, God, let it go deep down in our heart. Father, may the Holy Spirit continue to birth in us a new passion, a new zeal for the Word, for the Spirit, for the heartbeat of God, that we want the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God, to be manifest in us, uh, not in religion or, or uh, churchianity or or all the things that get us into that nominal level of Christianity. But God, we want to be radically passionate and on fire for Jesus Christ because we believe, Lord, you are alive in us and you are soon to return. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. We're talking about going deep today, allowing the Holy Spirit to be born in us. And uh, the title of this morning and, and next week's message is Figs, Faith, and the Family of God. And we're really going to talk this morning about unlocking the power of prayer. And what does it take to unlock the power of prayer uh, in your life? Uh, People were really amazed at the power that came from Jesus. But you know what? He really never talked about how to give you the power. He really always really directed people back, sorry, to faith. And so uh, I think that uh, Jesus desired uh, to see faith uh, in God's people that produced a great fruit. And that faith is what instead would unlock the power of God. Uh, So we're not looking for signs, for wonders, uh, or or miracles. We're looking for a faith in us that will produce the power of God. And so what are we doing with our faith this morning in Jesus Christ? uh, And what does it produce? Ushers, you can go ahead and come. Uh, We've got to get a little, uh, you get a snack this morning uh, as some illustration. We're talking about figs. And so how many people like fig newtons? few of us. If you don't, let your neighbor eat it, all right? Have communion. And just take one of these as these guys pass. Thank you, guys. Uh, but uh, if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Let me give you some background to where we are this morning. Okay. If you're with me, we're going to go back. <clears throat> excuse me. Pardon my voice this morning. I'm fighting a cold. We're going to go back in time. Uh, and, and go back to first century uh, Jerusalem. Jesus Christ has uh, been walking the earth for a few years now. And he's three years into his ministry. And he knows his time is short. And he knows that he's about to go to the cross. And so he makes his final trip to Jerusalem. And it's the Passover celebration. Passover is this big feast celebrating that they were delivered from Egypt and the judgment of God has passed over them and they applied the blood to their doorposts uh, at the Exodus. And so uh, Jesus comes uh, and he enters the city and there's this great wave of Hosanna and the highest. And, uh, but yet at the same time, Jesus is weeping over this city. Because in this city, it is full. It's supposed to be the light to the world. It's supposed to be a city on a hill. It's supposed to have the, the house, the very presence of God. And he looks at the temple and he sees the religious scene and he weeps. Because, here's a few reasons. Number one is uh, the temple of God, which was rebuilt after the exile. Uh, Herod the Great, one of the most vile, brutal men in, in history of Israel, uh, who was a puppet king of Rome, and he compromised now, he wasn't even, even a real Jew. He was a, uh, uh, raised a Jew, but he was an Edomite, part of the, the descendants of Edom. 
And so he was an immoral man. He killed his own family to secure his throne. Even his own wife and sons he killed. He, he hung people up. He, did, he killed all kinds of priests. And he decides to put his name on the temple of God. And he builds the temple of God. And as a, a way to tell people, oh, yeah, I'm really uh, working with you. He's one of those double-sided politicians. He'll say he's, for instance, a Christian on one hand, but then do something else on the other. All right? We know people in the world like that. All right? So he, uh, he builds this grand temple. He, he adds to it, and it's in progress. And Herod's died, and it's still being built. This glorious temple, but it's got the mark of sin on it because it's been built by an unholy man. Even David wasn't worthy to build the temple of God. Remember? Uh, even Solomon had to do it. And this is a vile, brutal man who's built the temple of God. On top of that, you've got a, a family of priests, the house of Annas and Caiaphas. These guys have, have made pacts with Rome to secure their power and to rule as the Sadducees and the religious elite. And man, these guys are, are compromising on all kinds of things and all kinds of idolatries just to continue to have power, wealthy. And they don't want anything to do with the people. They're so rich and upper class, they don't even want to walk by the stench of the poor. And they don't even touch them or talk to them. And these guys are, are making the sacrifices of God every day. Just blatant hypocrisy making the sacrifices and putting all kinds of burdens on the people. And in the same time, you've got that it's Passover season and all the Jews from all the nations have come to, to come back to Israel to offer sacrifice to God uh, because that was commanded in Scripture. But at the same time, that they're supposed to have this solemn occasion uh, celebrating the blood of the Lamb. There's just partying in the streets. There's, it's festivals. There's merchants even in the temple, and they're selling goods. And if you really want to compare it, think of it like a Mardi Gras here in Louisiana. It's a good comparison. Because what is supposed to be a preparation for 40 days of fasting, we know in, in our country, it has nothing to do with fasting anymore, right? It's not a preparation for a solemn, holy occasion of, of sacrifice. It's a glutton, drunken, uh, sex, sexualized party, right? And Passover had become, maybe not quite to that degree, but it had become to that place where it was just commercialized, even like Christmas. Nothing about Christ. It's all about all these commercialized things. And so Jesus comes to the scene, and that's where we are in Mark chapter 11, and he is hurting for his people. He's hurting for this country and for the status of the presence of God being born in his people. And he's saying, there's no power in this. There's no power in the people. And all these people are seeing the signs and wonders of Christ. They're hungry for this power that he has. And he says, you've got to have faith. Okay, now that's where we are. Mark chapter 11. On the next day, now this is in his, he's coming to the temple. On the next day, when they left Bethany, he became hungry. And seeing a distant fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he had came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it wasn't the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat from your fruit, a uh, fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And Matthew adds in Matthew chapter 21, verse 19, At once the fig tree withered. And then Jesus goes into the temple. He overturns the money changers and begins to preach. And he comes back out in Mark 11. Look down in verse 20. And as they were passing by in the morning, coming back to the temple, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Everybody say roots. Root, roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered and saying unto them, Have faith in God. That's our key text this morning. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted unto you. And Matthew in verse, chapter 21, verse 22 says, All things which you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Okay, how many, everybody got your Fig Newton? How many people still have it? One person, they're gone, three people, they're gone. All right. That's so you don't think about lunch later. <laughs> A person with fruitful faith unlocks the power of God through prayer. A person with fruitful faith will unlock the power of God through prayer. The power of God comes from a fruitful faith. That's what we're talking about this morning, a fruitful faith. Let's break this down, this fig tree thing. What's this all about? This is one of the weirdest uh, passages in the New Testament, and it's the only time Jesus curses something that God has made. It's very interesting. Why didn't Jesus heal the tree? He could have. Why didn't he come to the tree and say, hey, fig tree, produce me some fruit. There's no fruit on you. Produce me some fruit. He could have blessed the tree. He could have caused it to produce fruit, but instead he cursed it. That's kind of interesting. Why is this in the Bible? And why did he do that? That Jesus cursed a tree on the Mount of Olives or on the way to the Mount of Olives, right near the temple, cursed a tree and it died. What if you planted that tree? What if that was your tree? Could have been, you know, you come out the next day. What in the world happened to my tree? Well, Jesus was hungry. He didn't, see, he didn't like your tree and he cursed it. What? You know, you would just, why did he curse a tree? The fig tree kind of goes like this. I'm not an expert on figs. I know some of you guys here grow figs. Uh, Mr. Jimmy, he's up there. He gave us some figs this last week. And uh, the fig tree in, the, in Israel, there's a lot of types of figs, but uh, it kind of produces multiple harvests a year. And this is April in the time of the Passover. And at this time, uh, what I hear from scholars is basically you would have thought that, yes, okay, the leaves come first, and then there's these little buds about this time. There should have been these little buds uh, that would begin to produce on this specific type of fig tree. And they weren't really edible. But if you were really poor and really hungry like a peasant pilgrim, you could have eaten these buds. And Jesus was a man poor in spirit. He wasn't above anything, and he was looking for a snack. It wasn't a good snack, but it was a snack. Jesus didn't have any money, didn't have a job. He relied on support to get through each place. And he's often known about taking grain out of the fields that was allowed to do for p- pilgrims and poor people. And so he gets to this tree, and it should have had bloom because it, not, it wasn't the season for figs until June in the summer. And so he comes to this place where there's a tree that doesn't have mature fruit, but what it didn't have was even the signs of coming fruit. And if it did not have these buds, it wouldn't have fruit at all that year. And Jesus knew this year, this tree's not going to produce fruit. So as a teaching lesson about the status of this nation, of where he saw the people's hearts, a faithless people, a powerless people, he gave a sermon illustration for us today. Because nobody else saw this except for you and I and the disciples. To teach us, you want power from God? You want to see God do great things in your life? Have faith in God. You want to see God do fruitful things in your life? Have faith in God. You want to have a great relationship with God where He moves mountains and you can sing that song, break every chain and really believe it. You can say, God, blessed be your name. And the down and out times and the good times, He's saying, have faith in God. 
Have faith in God and you will produce fruit. Have faith in God and you will see the power of God fall in your life. But if your life is just a bunch of leaves rustling in the wind, you better be knowing you're going to wither up and die. There's no life in something that doesn't produce fruit. And so let's talk about foliage this morning. Foliage, leaves. This tree had leaves but no fruit. Jesus didn't see the evidence he should have seen, so he cursed the tree instead of saving it. But it really wasn't about the leaves, because it would, he just comes to this tree, and it's all leaves, and it had no sign of producing anything in its life, uh, or even in this coming season. And it didn't feed the hungry, and it didn't minister to the poor and the pilgrim, and it didn't have something that would give life for the next season, or produce any more fig trees. And he says, Cursed are you, may no one ever eat of you again. And he defined what was going to happen already to that tree. It was already done. Jesus just proclaimed it over it, and immediately it died. But it really wasn't about the, the leaves so much, or the fruit. It was about the, the roots... In the roots, there was something missing in the roots. You know, leaves are good. You know, they can help shade you, and it might look like a healthy tree, but if it uh, had leaves, it should have had the evidence of fruit, so it disappointed Christ. And he goes in the city, he sees all the activity, he sees all the busyness of the tradition and the religion. And the, uh, if we were looking at it today, we'd see all the business. If Jesus would come to churches today, he'd see all the, the programs and the plans and the people who come and put their nice button-up striped shirt on and their nice belt buckle and their shiny shoes and come. And he can see all the rustling of the leaves. But would he find any fruit? Would he find that our roots are really unhealthy? that they're not producing things of the Holy Spirit in our churches. Look, if That's what he comes to this city and he sees that there is nothing, despite all the busyness, beside all the festivals and all the religious sacrifices, there's no fruit in it. It was all about the heart. Roots are all about the heart. It's the health of this tree goes down to the depths of the roots. And the health of your and I, relationship with God, our spiritual walk with God, goes down to the depths of our heart. And he says, because you don't have fruit, I can see that your roots are not good. And I, he's cursing it. You think of it today, it would be kind of like this. It would be as to say, man, we have a great church. We've got free coffee. We've got many programs from all sorts of ages and lots of activities. Man, we've got small groups in our church. Woo. We've got a new building, hopefully one day. We've got new media. Uh, great worship team. Man, our engaging sermons are online. We podcast, we pod press, we, we Instagram, we Snapchat. We do all these things to reach the lost. But yet at the same time, we have not love in our hearts. At the same time, our inner holiness is not for God. Our faith doesn't move mountains, and we don't have a passionate prayer for the lost. You can go to a lot of churches today. I've been to a lot of churches, and it's the same thing. It's saying, what is the result of all the things that we're doing? What is the result of all the things that we do? What is the result of coming to church every Sunday in your life? What is the result of your prayer life? What is the result of your Bible reading life? Because if it's not producing something spiritually deep in your heart, if it's not feeding the poor in spirit, if it's not ministering to others, if it's not reproducing itself with the fruit that bears seed and is born again into new life into someone else, it is just leaves rustling in the wind. It's just religion. It's just church goingness. And it reminds me of Matthew 13. 
which Jesus had said before uh, he got to this passage. He says, there's a people, he says, there's a people here today he, uh, in his time. He said, they'll keep on hearing, but they'll not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but you'll not perceive. The heart of this people becomes dull. And with their ears, they scarcely hear, and they've got closed eyes. Otherwise, they could see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return to me, and I would heal them. How many people in America today come to church week after week but never have life-changing transformation with God? How many people never develop a passionate love for God There's never a fire or this deep spiritual yearning or this passionate flaming walk with God uh, that ignites something in them and and is transmitted on to other people. How many are known for their spiritual fruit? He says, he comes to this tree and what he basically says, he says, this tree is powerless. It's a great tree. Man, it's a beautiful tree, big tree, got leaves, you can sit in there and have a picnic, you can have your family out there on the weekend on Saturday, you know there's a great lake nearby, pull up the boat, and, and it's just good, good place. It's a big tree, but it's powerless. You see, a Christian's life can look good. We can build great churches, we can even give money to missions, we can do a lot of things, and it can be a beautiful church, and people can come to our church and say, wow, that is a great church but jesus can look at it and say what doesn't feed me it doesn't reproduce itself it doesn't have any power in it because there's a faith problem and there's a fruit problem and i go down to the roots of it and i see there's a there's an issue there it's powerless it can't feed anyone else it cannot reproduce itself how many people and I look at my life today and I ask ourselves and myself, how many of us, maybe we could say, you know, uh, Jesus would say to us, we're powerless because we don't have the kind of heartbeat of God that spiritually feeds others and makes more disciples. How many, uh, uh, he would look at us today and say, how many of us have a lot of religious leaves but no fruit? You know, it was the fig tree that clothed Adam and Eve. They try to do it themselves with the fig leaves. They try to put these big fig leaves over themselves and clothe their nakedness. But God said, you can't clothe nothing. And God had to go make the sacrifice and shed the blood of the first animal sacrifice and cover them by the blood. Even now today, you and I cannot do anything apart from Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because I don't care how good my clothes are. I don't care how much I can clean my act up on my own and stop cussing and stop drinking and and stop looking at things that I shouldn't do or go to church every week. Those things are just leaves. It's the born again, alive in Christ. It's a a fire that is birthed inside of us of the Holy Spirit that makes us new beings. That I see the world differently. That that I have a faith in me that can produce uh, change in not only myself but in others. Because I look to people and I I wonder. They come in and I I see it even in this area and in other churches I've been to. That they'll know the word of God so very well. They've, They've been in church for years. But they're up and down. Up and down, up and down, and, and, a, and a time of testing comes and they go back to their old ways and they, they'll lose their job or they'll lose their relationships or there'll be a problem. And it's like they go back to the things that it used to have. And I wonder how much of our lives are really just leaves blowing in the wind. It looks like a great fig tree, but it, there's no faith. 
There's no faith for a deeper spiritual walk in God that sees the power of God manifested in us that we can move spiritual mountains. We can triumph over, uh, victoriously over evil forces. That we can say, no matter what comes, blessed be the name of the Lord, that I can worship in the valley of the shadow of death and know, God, you are with me. It's a faith. Faith in God. And let's go on this morning. Because Timothy tells us in chapter 3, verse 5, that in the last days they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. William Booth uh, is a founder of the Salvation Army, and uh, he talked about last century, the, uh, the uh, dangers that will confront the 20th century. And he said, it'll be things like religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without that regeneration, that born again, we can forgive when we forgive. We want to be given, forgiven, but we don't want to have that born again experience. He said, There'll be morality in our country without God in it, and there'll be a heaven without hell. A lot of people want to believe in heaven, but they don't want to believe in hell. He said, It's just religion, it just leaves rustling in the wind. There's not a, a power of God birthed by the Holy Spirit in the depths of our hearts. And it goes, Jesus says, It's all about faith. Let's talk about faith. They were amazed by his power, but he said, Have faith in God. You know, there's many obstacles to the growth of the kingdom. You could look and come to this scene. And it's like, man, there's this Temple Mount. There's this Herod guy that built it. There's these uh, religious elite. There's Rome here. Uh, there's all these problems. There's a bunch of people. Uh, you know, like how many people celebrate Christmas but don't believe in Christ? Think about it. Oh, that's a lot. And he's going to the same thing. And he's saying, and you think about it. You look at our country. He's like, how can I do anything? How can we, a little people in, in Sanctuary Family Worship Center in Gina, Louisiana, uh, do anything about such a system that is so broken, such a belief and a lack of faith uh, in our country, in our world today. Uh, and he, they were looking for a power to change. They want to see God come down, bring the heavens, wipe them out, or, or heal them up, or fill them up, or do something. And he's saying, and they're like, how did you curse this fig tree? So, because I've got a, a really bad problem with tomatoes in my backyard, and I really want something to happen. You know, like, how do you have that kind of a power? And is it for me? Can I do that? And he says, I'm not talking about your power. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Put your life in the hands of God. Because, number one, saving faith moves religion out of the way. You know, he's standing there at this temple mount. And it's on a mountain, right? They cut the top of the mountain off, put the temple on it. A uh, large hill for us, but it's a mountain to them. And he's standing there and he says, uh, uh, just a little bit of faith can move mountains. You know, just a little bit of faith in Jesus Christ removes all this religion out of the way. That, that grace would come and by faith alone now, you would be saved. You wouldn't have to do all this temple stuff. You wouldn't be about how often you go to church, how much you give in the offering plate. It wouldn't be about uh, what you do and don't do. It would be, the, it would be a life-changing occurrence that happened in your heart that down to the roots of you, when you have faith in God, the Holy Spirit would be born again and you made alive in Christ and you would now want to serve God. You would obey from a heart relationship with God and a spiritual relationship with God and commune with Him day by day in faith. And so saving faith moves religion out of the way. You know, I struggle every, uh, every week to make sure that when I come into this place, am I just doing routine? Because 
I was born into religion, right? I'm born into, uh, I grew up in the Summers of God Church. I've been, I can't tell you how many thousands of sermons I've heard. I, I know the Bible uh, better than most people, I think, and, and the history of it. And I could easily uh, do this, you know? I, we can work together with our worship team, and we could say, I want you to play three fast songs, three slow songs. These are really good. People like these, and here's what we do, and I've got this awesome video on PowerPoint, and here's how a good funny joke to get the people to interest in, into this, and that could be a lot of leafy show. But every week, do we say, God, I want a living relationship with you. God, I have a faith in you that moves religion out of the way, that it's not about the leaves and the show. But God, it's about a deep communion with you. God, it's more, about the, it's more about the fruit of the Holy Spirit being birthed in me because it's by your grace alone, by the blood of the Lamb that was slain, now I'm saved and I trust in a God that hears my prayers that I know will answer me because Jesus Christ has been a substitute for the death of my sins. Hebrews 11 tells us, Without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, Religion is nothing. It's just a show. just leaves on a tree. Without faith, I can't please God. And, and sometimes I have to check myself and really go down and, and say, really get this introspective thing going in my life and say, all right, Heath, have you been going through the motions lately? I know you, you read your Bible every day. You pray every day. You know the Pharisees did that more than we've ever even thought about. They memorized the entire first five books of the Bible by rote. They prayed three times a day, fasted every week, and they didn't have faith. You see, it's more than all the things you're doing. It's who you're becoming in Jesus Christ. It's how He is alive inside of you that determines whether or not you have faith in Him. And it's so, He's saying, this faith will remove all that religion out of the way. And number two, that saving faith will unlock the power of God. I used to read scriptures like this where it says, man, with a tiny seed, you know, He goes back, He says this earlier with the mustard seed. He says, man, with a tiny bit of faith, you can move mountains, cast it into the sea. He used to think, whew, I must not have very much faith in. I haven't ever moved a mountain before, and I've never casted, you know, uh, this leprosy off of this person or opened the blinded eyes of my prayers. And I used to long for this secret faith. I used to be uh, uh, down on my knees and just thinking, God, I want this, this power from you, God. I want this, this secret faith, this depth of the faith, God. I want this, this supernatural walk with the Holy Spirit. And you know, God just convicted me and he's saying, you believe, get me now, you believe that, that the Son of God, who is God, but he's the Son of God, and there's the Holy Spirit, and he created the world in a few days, uh, and he, you know, tells his world this prophet. He made this Bible thing that is written by man, but it is of God. And you believe the Son of God can come down, die on a cross, shed some blood, die for your sins, and that the, he was victorious over this guy named the devil, uh, and he's going to save your eternal soul. And you believe this story, and you don't have enough faith that I can do, I can heal cancer, or that I can provide for your finances. You think I can save your eternal soul? from hell and damnation for eternity. Provide for you a place with eternal glory. Fill you with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Send my son to die for you, and I don't have the power. You need some other faith to, to do some healing. Come on now. Right? Saving faith, not secret faith. There's a movement in Paul's day called the Gnostics. They were looking for this deeper secret knowledge, this secret faith. It's not about anything depth. 
There's not trying some mystical place you've got to get in Jesus Christ. If you believe Jesus can save your soul, you can move mountains by the power of His name. If you believe Jesus Christ can save your eternal soul, that saving faith unlocks the power of God in your life. And so believe it and don't doubt it. That's what he's saying. If you believe he can save you, he can heal you. If you believe he can save you, he can provide for you. And it's a simple, childlike faith that moves mountains. But you've got to believe that it's so, that you have it, that God is giving it to you. And it means, faith means trusting in God and living in an attitude of dependence, one author says it. That having faith means I trust in Him and I live in dependence on Him. And Billy Graham uh, is, is summed up to say that faith is personally receiving and trusting in the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's receiving it. And trusting it, Jesus Christ is who He is, did what He did, and is going to do what He said He's going to do. And if I believe it, then I must do something about it. I don't just believe it, I believe it and I do something about it. I believe it, and so my life reflects it. And it's not just leaves on a tree, that it's a, a something that happens down to my roots that produces something by the Holy Spirit in me that produces a fruit that feeds the nations. It's a fruit that feeds the poor in spirit that reproduces the gospel seed into other people. And mountains are those immovable problems in your life. That place that you feel like you can't push against anymore, that you don't know what to do or how to get from A to B. But Jesus says, if you believe I can save your soul, believe that when you pray, I hear you and your faith will move mountains. Your faith in me to save your soul will move every mountain that stands against my kingdom. And I'm going to give you some tips. Over here we have the prayer of faith. We talk about the prayer of faith a lot. And it says the prayer of faith in James will save the sick, heal the sick. All right? The prayer of faith is in the context of a life of faith. And a life of faith is three things. One, it means that when I pray that prayer of faith, my life is walking in the will of God. That I'm seeking His kingdom first. That prayer of faith number two means I'm in the love of God. That I love God. I love others. I'm giving grace. I'm giving forgiveness. So prayer of faith is in the will of God. It's in the love of God. I mean, I'm a person in the will of God. I'm a person in the love of God. And a prayer of faith is third, in the worship of God. It means that I'm in constant communion with Him. Not a Sunday morning worship experience like we're having this morning. But it means that my lifestyle, my, my living situation, my believing situation, my thinking situation is in the worship of an Almighty God who I have faith in, who I depend on, and I'm in constant communion with. And so that prayer of faith can... And Pastor Bethany last week talked about persistent prayer. It means that I can, that prayer of faith moves me to ask, all right, God, I'm still asking. So I'm seeking, God, I'm still seeking. God, now I'm knocking because I believe what your word says and I'm not giving up because I have faith in you. Sometimes he's going to make you test that faith and get some endurance because he wants to know, do you believe? Because heaven help us, if I don't believe that God can handle this little situation in my life right now, do I really have faith that He's going to save my eternal soul? Think of it the opposite. I should have so much faith that it, God has transcended the universe, gone from one end of the universe down to earth to die for me. Nothing is impossible with God. And He loves us that much. How much more He loves us in the small things. We can make amends 
We can give up thousands of dollars. We can attend every church service. We can memorize hundreds of scriptures, pray hours of day. But if we don't trust God from my heart, Jesus is saying you're powerless. Your faith is powerless. Trust God from the depths of the roots of your soul. Receive the power of God. Finally, fruit. People are looking for power, but he says, I want to see some fruit. Matthew seven seventeen. he says, So every good tree bears good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't bear good fruit, I'm going to cut down and throw it in the fire. And you're going to know them by their fruits. Because everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones that do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Christ is exposing in us today that there be any, let there be no areas of dead religion in us. May there be no element to my tree, to the branches of, of my spiritual walk with God that do not produce fruit. May my roots be healthy enough to produce fruit because it wasn't the leaves that was the problem. It was the roots that were the problem. That, that, that sap, that nectar, that nutrients did not produce fruit. You know what fruit is? It's the righteousness of God produced in us. It comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, you know, that goodness, kindness, gentleness, uh, uh, self-control, those, those types of things. It's the Holy Spirit alone that can produce it. I don't care how hard you try to be a good Christian. You'll never be good enough. I don't care how hard you try to love other people. You'll never love them enough. You can't forgive people enough. You can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit doing it in and through you. You can't come in here with the right attitude enough to worship God. You can't sit out there in the car and meditate enough on the Word of God to, on your own, come in here and worship God with the glory that He deserves. You can't love your wife, your spouse enough. You can't be faithful to your employer enough without the help of the Holy Spirit in you because it's His nutrients that have to get to the root of your soul and birth in you life and life abundantly, and begin to produce things outside of you that feed other people. You hear me this morning? We can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And it's got to be God's righteousness produced in me. There are a lot of churches in this community that want to judge people on a certain level of holiness. And that's not just one denomination. It's a lot of them. It's even in Assemblies of God churches. It's even in Pentecostal churches, in Baptist churches. And we begin to measure things and define things by a righteousness that's us. But it's got to be the Holy Spirit produced in us. It's got to be a relationship with faith in God. Because fruit comes from the heart. And good fruit comes from a heart that desires to please God. Make a note of that. Good fruit, fruit comes from the heart. But good fruit comes from a heart that desires to please God. It's all about discipleship. It's all about being a person who reproduces faith into other people. It's this natural growth. And a Christian that does not produce fruit is unnatural. Jesus looks at this tree and says... You're out of God's order. This tree is not in the order of God. It's not how God designed this tree to be made. And, I, and, and he looks at a Christian today, and he'll look at a Christian's life today, or even the status of the church in America today, and he says, if it's not producing fruit, it's unnatural growth. Because when the Holy Spirit's involved in your life, you will naturally love other people. When the Holy Spirit's in your life, you'll naturally have patience that goes beyond your level of patience. When the Holy Spirit's involved in your life, you'll have self-control to obey Him. In those temptation times, you'll have a kindness and a goodness and a humility that is beyond you 
that it's the Holy Spirit doing it in you. And I look at my life and say, Heath, all right, man, how much patience have I really had lately? Because I've been failing as Heath Harris. Or Heath Harris, how much self-control have I had when temptations come? Because maybe I've been doing it on my own. Or, or how much joy has Heath Harris really been having in life? Even, and I'm looking at life and you can add up all the numbers and you can say, hey, well, th- this isn't a joyful situation. But when the Holy Spirit comes in the picture, He does it in you and through you. And it's a very simple illustration It's a very simple sermon that's repeated over and over through the Bible. And I have to wonder, God, Jesus, why did you talk about fruit so much? Why did you talk about this so much? Because we don't get it. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear. If they would see and understand and ask me, I would heal them. If you're here today, maybe God wants to heal you. Maybe there's some roots and that have really gone sour. They've really started to die off. And you notice an area of your life. You say, God, I've been doing it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to go to the depths of my roots to begin to produce things in me, God, that I can't do on your own. So today, have you been, is it foliage, leaves in your life, or is it fruitful faith, that abiding faith in John 15 that He is the vine, we are the branches, that we're abiding in Him, naturally producing good fruit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Nobody moving around. Nobody looking around. The Holy Spirit this morning is interested in you. He wants to know you. He wants to produce good things in you. He wants you to abide with Him. And Jesus today, over many people's lives, could look at their life and He would be weeping. I look at my life and say, God, are you weeping over my life? That God, that I've been trying to do things on my own. I've been trying to provide on my own. Trying to be happy on my own. Or, or trying to find satisfaction or peace. And I've been maybe even looking at the church for it. Maybe I've been looking at the pastor. Maybe I've been looking even at the Word of God for it. But it's just been words on a page. It's just been going through the motions. God, I can't, I'm not satisfied in my marriage, or maybe I'm not satisfied in my job, or maybe I'm not, I don't have what it takes. And he's saying, okay, you recognize there's a problem. It's got to be the Holy Spirit in you. God has transcended and flipped over heaven and hell to, to, to show you his love. Jesus wept over Jerusalem when they didn't even, they didn't appreciate the blood of the Lamb. It just looked like another thing of their party to them. It's just another part of their church. It was all leaves. It was all show. Father God, I love you so very much. God, I ask you today, Lord, to go deep in my heart. Lord, I want the nutrients of the Holy Spirit to begin to saturate the soil around my heart. God, that I could just take you in that deep place in my heart, in my life, God, where I rely only on you, that I have a faith, a saving faith. God, not a secret faith, a faith that says, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. He is the Son of the Most High God, that He died for my sins. God, that you, You've atoned for my sins. God, they are no more. God, You've saved me. That Your Holy Spirit is living inside of me, that You're coming again, Lord, to reclaim a spotless bride. That I am holy because you have been holy for me. God, that I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. And if I believe that, God, i got to believe, God, you'll give me more than, make me a more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. God, you'll, you'll give me a victory over temptation. God, you'll give me love 
Lord, for other people, God, you will call me, Lord, into a deeper walk of patience and kindness and meekness. God, you'll give me a a generosity, God, that doesn't come from me, but it comes from your heart that you want to birth in us, God. A heart for the lost, God. A heart like you were, that you came as a pilgrim, as a slave to all men. And when you were hungry, people didn't feed you. And when you were naked, God, people didn't clothe you. And when you were in prison, people didn't visit you. But they nailed you to a cross, God. Lord, I want to be a tree, Lord, in your garden that feeds the world, God, that that has fruit that is ready and available for the picking for someone who is coming by me who's hungry. God, may we be a people, Lord, that our heart is broken, God, for the lost. God, we're not just sitting here and we don't care about people who are hungry. God, who are thirsty. God, who have no hope. Jesus. God, this world is only temporary, God. And you, you love people so very much. And God, I don't love people even a quarter of how you love them. But God, I need your love in me that I might give more of it away. God, I don't want it to be all about me. I need the Holy Spirit to do it through me, God. Because God, I can't do it on my own, Father. Father.